This morning from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, beginning in verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Did your mom or dad ever call you by your full name when you were growing up? That happened to me on occasion. My mother was wonderful. She was there for me. She was attentive and kind and caring and provided everything I needed. But on occasion, I would hear, David, Wayne, Wiggs, you come here now. And when she used my full name, I knew that meant she was serious. I better pay close attention to the following instruction. I better make it a priority right then and there. As I was reading through our passage today, I got the feeling that the dynamic between Jesus and Peter was somewhat similar. We know this disciple usually as Peter, sometimes as Simon Peter, but you notice that Jesus uses the more formal address every time he speaks to Peter in this passage, he says, Simon, son of John. I think he's saying to Peter, listen, Give me your full attention, time to make this a priority in your life. It's a clue, I think, the way John writes this in using the full name as Jesus addresses Simon Peter or Simon, son of John. John wants us to know that Jesus wanted Peter to pay close attention. He wants Peter to make this a priority. The same could be true for us. This could be a teaching moment for us as we listen to these instructions of Jesus about what is most important or what are the priorities in our life as disciples, as followers of Jesus Christ. Now John uses a lot of symbolism in his gospel. And we can notice that there are these threefold questions and answers in this exchange between Jesus and Peter. And they parallel to the threefold denial that Peter uttered on the night that Jesus was arrested. You can read the story in the 18th chapter of John, if you like. Jesus has been with his disciples at the Last Supper. They've gone out to the garden. Armed guards come, and Jesus is arrested. And he's taken away 
And John tells us that one of the disciples knows the gatekeeper and they're able to follow him into the court. But Peter did not, but he helped Peter get in. But then the people began to recognize Peter and say, didn't you know him? Aren't you one of his disciples? Aren't you with the Galileans? Three times he's asked, according to John. Every time he denies knowing Jesus or having any relationship with him at all. Three different opportunities. He has a chance to identify himself as a follower of Jesus Christ, as one of his disciples, and he denies him at every turn. So it's interesting then when we get to this story. But after denying Jesus three times, Jesus asked him, Do you love me? Do you love me? you love me three times and this time of course peter gives a very different answer he doesn't deny him any longer he says of course you know that i love you but the symbolism continues john wants us to remember these two scenes both of them he says happen around a charcoal fire but the first one you see happens at night it is dark. It was previous to the crucifixion. The next one, still around a charcoal fire, but is a post-resurrection experience. And John says, happens in the morning light. John wants us to see the dynamic that he believes that God is at work in Jesus, moving us from darkness to light. And in fact, he wants us to see that Jesus has conquered the darkness and moves into the light. And he wants us to understand that Peter as well has moved from the darkness of denial, separation and sin, to the light of life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. John wants us to see that a relationship of love with Jesus moves us from darkness to light. And of course, for Peter, what that means is that he has this experience of forgiveness, which opens up his future anew rather than living in this denial and this despair. Can you imagine what Peter's life would have been like if his most poignant memory it's not all the great times he had as a follower of Christ, but the denial. If that had been the end, what a tragic end. But he has this second opportunity, this fresh chance, this experience of forgiveness that frees him to move into a new future as a restored disciple of Christ. It's interesting that John notes in the passage here that it's painful for Peter, that it hurt him that Jesus asked three times. And yet we all know that looking at our past and focusing on our failures is a difficult experience. It's a painful experience. None of us like doing that. And yet Jesus understands this is exactly what Peter needs so that he could move on, so that he might be free in the future to be a faithful disciple. 
In this story, we find that familiar discipleship pattern of experiencing the love and forgiveness of Jesus and then being set free to share that love with others the rest of our lives. This whole month, we've been looking at this theme of home. How do we find a place we can call home? We began by looking at eternal life and our eternal home. Then we spent some time talking about church homes and spiritual homes. We did some exploration of why some people feel like this is not a place of home. That this is not a place of safety and security and trust and welcome. We discussed some how we might respond to that. How we might open doors for those who are struggling how we might invite them in, how we might help them find this place of safety and security, of help and hope, a place of welcome and acceptance and belonging. And we see it again in this story today that Jesus does that very thing for Peter, even though he stumbled and denied him three times. Jesus restores him in this relationship and welcomes him back into the family, assures him that this is a relationship of mutual love as i was reading over and over this text thinking about our time here this morning i thought about a father the story about a father who had planned a fun experience with his two young sons he had set aside a friday night just to be with his boys and he planned out the whole evening for them to have a great time together they started out going to a play gym to do gymnastics where they could bounce and spring and tumble and do somersaults and acrobatics and run around and wrestle around and just have a great time then after that he planned a super dinner for them where they could go to a place and eat all the hot dogs and drink all the pop they could consume and then after that they were to go to a movie together when they got to the movie the movie began of course the lights went down and before long he says his youngest son fell asleep they went ahead and watched the rest of the movie. At the end, the boy's still asleep, so his dad picks him up, puts him on his shoulder, carries him out to the car, opens the back door, puts him in the back seat. It's a particularly cold night, so the dad takes off his coat and wraps it around his son, kind of tucks him in the back seat. They drive home, he and the older son in the front seat. They get home, the boy's still asleep, so his dad goes back around and picks him up once again and carries him into his room and puts him to bed. But he's still excited about all the fun they'd had, so he goes to the older boy's room to tell him good night, and he thinks they're going to be able to share a little bit about all the fun and exciting things they did. But every time he says something to his son, he just sort of gives a one word, kind of a short, curt answer. And after just two or three questions, the boy rolls over and puts his back to his dad and faces the wall. His dad knows something is wrong. So he climbs up on the bed next to him and whispers to him, What's wrong, honey? The young boy rolls back over. and The dad can see that tears are welling up in his eyes. He says, Daddy, if I was cold, would you take off your coat and wrap me up too? After all the fun things they had done together, what the boy needed most was some reassurance that his dad loved him. 
Sometimes we all need the reassurance that we are loved. We need to hear it one more time that those who are most important to us love us. That's what the son was most concerned about. Not all the activities, but did his daddy love him like he saw him love his little brother? Was that central relationship secure? It's the same for us sometimes in our life of faith. We sometimes need some reassurance that God loves us. That through Christ, God is with us. And it's a love that we can count on. I mentioned to you all a week or two ago that a woman had called me who was struggling with that. She said, I'm not sure. I'm not secure enough to know that. I feel unworthy. She thanked me for the sermon. She said, it's helping me begin to believe again. And then it's interesting, the very next week, another person wrote me a note saying, I'm so glad you mentioned that woman who was unsure, because I'm unsure of that too. I feel unworthy and undeserving of God's love. And I hear you saying that God loves me. That is the good news, my friends. We can be sure of God's love for us. We can be sure of the Father's love. Remember last week in the sermon, we read the passage where Jesus is praying for the disciples, that is, for you and me, that we might know the unity and love that he has with the Father, and through that, that we might know that Jesus loves us and that God loves us. And in fact, he prays that the whole world might know that God loves them. God's love is sure and steadfast. You can count on it. You can be sure of that, my friends. God loves you. But our life becomes even more abundant when we truly love Jesus in return. In the text today, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon Peter responds, yes, Lord. You know I love you. And then each time after Peter affirms his love, then Jesus says to him, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. It's a call to action that once we've experienced this love, Jesus invites us into a life of loving others it's interesting that in this passage he uses my lambs and my sheep it made me think of the text in matthew where jesus is talking about those who need our love and care most and he says now listen love them because they're part of my family my sheep my lambs my family. Jesus refers to those who need our love and care as members of my family. We're to see others, whether they come here every week or not, as part of the family of God. It's a personal relationship. You hear the personal nature of it, the way that Jesus experienced it with those he met, that they were part of his family. Where his sheep and his lambs, the people of the world, were part of the family he loved. The message we are to embody is 
your family. To any and all we meet, our message is to be your family. We're all part of God's family. Of course, we want to do that at Boston Avenue. We want to treat those who come by here as if they're part of God's family. I can't be sure that it happens every time somebody comes, but I pray and hope that it does. Last Tuesday night, we had administrative board. Audra Fogel, our director of welcoming ministries, was sharing a couple of letters she had received from people who have joined us recently. One of the letters was from a couple who lived out of town. They were longtime television viewers. They had had some bad experiences in their previous church, a place that they had called home. And so they had just quit coming to church. Then they found us on television, and they began to watch. And then finally, one Sunday morning, they decided they are going to drive to downtown Tulsa. They live about an hour away. They were going to drive down and see what was going on down here on Sunday mornings. Then after they'd come for a while, they heard about the Broadway play. So they tried the Broadway of Boston Avenue play. And after that, they wrote Odd with this letter and said, we have found a church where we feel like we're part of a loving church family. Your people have been so gracious and helpful and welcoming and friendly. They went on to say, we told some friends about the Broadway play and they went and one of them had some special mobility needs. And we were so pleased. The people they met at the play were so helpful and so sensitive to our needs and helping our family member that had special needs. It was a wonderful experience. I think they've experienced the message, your family. Or it made me think of the single young man who's joined us recently. He grew up in a different denomination, a much smaller church. All of his church experience was very different than what we do here at Boston Avenue. But he saw us on television one morning as well. And he began to watch. And then finally, he decided he would come down and try as well. And he said, you know what? I really couldn't believe it. But that very first Sunday, people learned my name. They offered me coffee. They showed me around. They helped me get connected. I felt like I knew people after the very first time I visited. And now he's one with us. And he's helping share the good word to others, your family. That's the message we want to embody. That's what Christ is admonishing Simon Peter to do. And through him, all of us. It made me think of one other couple that have come recently. They're a lifelong United Methodist. They've moved to Tulsa in their retirement years. But because they're Methodist, they're visiting lots of different Methodist churches. We have lots in Tulsa. They visited us last. I made the phone call the next week, thanking them for coming, seeing if there's anything else we might say or do for them or with them. And they shared with me the reason they came to see us last was that they were hesitant to come. And in fact, we're not even going to come except for they had one friend who kept insisting that they do come to give us one try. And he said, frankly, David, the truth of the matter is I thought you all were too old and too rich 
and stuck up. But he said, you know what? I have to apologize to you because we experienced just the opposite. That was a misconception on my part. We received the friendliest welcome of any place we have been. Your people were wonderful. At every turn, there was somebody there to speak to us and to greet us and to help us and to guide us. We had a great experience at Boston Avenue. I think the experience, the message, your family. Your family. You're a part of God's family, so you're a part of our family. It's a privilege for me to be your pastor, to get to share in the gospel, to walk alongside of you all who share God's love in such a beautiful and wonderful way with so many. It's a wonderful experience for me to share in that with you. But let us make sure that we continue to endeavor to embody this love of Christ in terms of how we love one another and love others. Let us remember that Jesus directs us to tend my lambs, to feed my sheep, to tend my sheep. Let us make sure that we maintain that as a priority in our life together here at Boston Avenue. Amen, and thanks be to God.